0: Well, turn your Bibles this evening to Joshua, Joshua chapter number 17. As we continue this study and the thought about revival and really the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as we think about or long for God to do something in our church, in our midst, that's beyond the everyday, that's beyond the the average or the norm, We want to see God do some miraculous things. And so I want to ask you tonight are you reaching your potential for God? Are you reaching your potential for God? Are you accomplishing all that you would like to for the Lord? Are you currently content with the level of spirituality you have in your life? Are you satisfied with the victories that you're seeing on a daily basis? Are you thrilled with what's being accomplished in your life in a spiritual way? Or is maybe there at least a flicker of a desire for God to do something more? Yes. I think ultimately that that is what, as we launch out into this thought for the year and as we, as we begin to ponder and think about the idea of rest and revival I think it at least for me, I'm finding that it's, it's not going to happen in a service. It's not going to happen in one, one meeting that one day we get up and all of a sudden, it, I think it's going to take a process through which God's refining fire does a work in our heart and begins to remake and mold us. I believe it's going to be a process. And so I hope this evening that there's at least a flicker, of an ambition or desire in your heart to want more from God. And if that's you tonight and you would like to see more for God, then I have a challenge for you this evening. The title of the message this evening is, Are You Cutting Any Wood? Are You Cutting Any Wood? (laughs) Would you look in Joshua chapter number 17 Verse 14 through 18, we find our story, our text. In Joshua 17, beginning of verse number 14, he says, And the children of Joseph spake to Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people, for as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto? And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people... Then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. And the children of Joseph said, The hill is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they who are of Bethsheen and her towns and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people and hast great power. Thou shalt not have, only, shall not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine, for thou shalt drive out the Canaanites though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. I think from just the reading of the text, you see the direction we're headed. The challenge this evening, are you cutting any wood? Or I thought about titling it, are you clearing any land? You see, you know the story. Moses died. God placed Joshua in charge. And he, his plan and goal was for them to, him to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land. And they had lots of land they were to conquer for God. And as they began conquering this land, God had appointed or divided up the promised land into set lots, set plots that they were to receive. The Bible literally calls it Portions. They had portions of land that they were for them, that God had given them by His design. We know that the Canaan land is a picture of uh, this Christian life. We know that as we embark upon the Christian life, as we cross over into that promised land, that there is some battles to be fought. There's some victories to be had. There's some land that's to be cleared. There's some land that's to be gained for God. Amen. And Christian, we're not supposed to be given land back to the devil. We're not supposed to go forward and conquer some land for God and then yield that land back over to Satan. Now, Satan's desire is to take that land back. There's no question. But once we've conquered it, we really are supposed to maintain that land. The tribe of Joseph was just as the other tribes and had been allotted a portion of land. They had received what God had given to them. So we reach the point in our story here this evening that we pick up the Israelites They'd won battles, they'd conquered territory, they received their land, they had been given blessings from God. But then first of all, we see here in verse number 14 that the children of Joseph had a complaint. And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit? Seeing I am a great people, for as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto. They... We're not content with where they were at, and you could take this two ways. I'm not going to deal this evening, and we could certainly spend a considerable amount of time discussing and talking about the idea of being content with what God gives you, being content with where you're at. But I believe when we're describing and talking about the idea of the promised land being this Christian life and how you're to gain land for God. And I believe even by implication in the story where God says to them, hey, you're not going to have just one portion. There's a whole bunch more land available for you. It's up there. Yeah, it's got some trees on it. It's covered with some woods. Why don't you go clear some land? Why don't you go conquer some more land? There's some more available to you. All you got to do is get off your tail and go get it. Joseph told them that, but they had this complaint. They're like, why did we just get one land? Why did we just get one portion? God said, you don't. I've got some more for you. And I want you to understand, Christian, that God's got more for you. God wants to do more for you in your life. And I think sometimes the reason that we struggle so much as Christians and we have such a hard time, we think, man, this Christian life is so difficult. And why do I only have this one victory or why am I only experiencing this this one thing? And God's saying, I got a whole much more for you. I got a lot more. I want you to experience inside of the blessings and the goodness of your Lord and Savior, but you've got to go get it. You've got to pick up an axe and go chop down some trees. You've got to clear some land. There's some things you've got to do in order to have and experience the full blessing that God wants for you. Amen. God's not just going to hand it to you. God says it's there. It's available, but you've got to go get it. We, are you content with where you're at or do you desire to see God do more and great things for you? These men had a complaint about where they were. Instead of doing something about where they were, they complained about it. Benjamin Franklin said, any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, and most do. That's the facts. But it's not just about complaining, it's about getting up and clearing some land. Getting up and making a difference. Chopping some trees down on occasion because we heat our house with with wood, and man, I love it that we can keep it as warm as we want, and I don't have to feel bad about it. <laughs> I don't have to think about the, the money that's going up the chimney. It's just, it's just junk wood, and we can burn it and get it warm. But, you know, we'll be sitting around, and the kids will be like, you know, it's cold in here. And i say, well, there's a whole bunch of wood down there. <laughs> All you got to do is go feed the fire. The reason it's cold is because somebody didn't feed the fire. Because somebody let the fire go out. Somebody didn't, they they got busy doing some activity or doing some other things, and the fire goes out. And God's saying, I want to do a whole lot more for you in your Christian life. There's a lot more victory that I want you to see. There's so many more miracles that I want you to experience. But I'm not just going to hand them to you. There's a whole bunch of land out there that you could conquer if you would go get it. If you would go get it. So we see... The counsel that Joshua says to him in verse number 15. And Joshua answered them, if thou be a great people, say, hey, you're a great people. If y'all be a great people, then get up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the parasites, you know, the giants of the Mount of Ephraim. If the, if, if the Mount of Ephraim be too narrow for thee. You know, Joshua's saying, hey, there's a lot of land there. Just go cut it down for yourself. There's a whole lot of promises in here. Yeah. Yeah. Can you dig some out for yourself? Yes. Oh, man, I know we have a good time in church. And I know it's enjoyable to be fed. The word of God. That's what church is for. We come to God's house and that's, that's what we're here for. And, and man, I hope that we're, we're fed spiritually when we come to God's house. But God has a lot more for you. If you can get in there and dig it, dig it out. If you can hew down some of your own trees, if you can see God speak to you personally, Joshua said it's there. Cut it down for thyself. You know, they had a... Their, their, their complaint was rooted in a... inflated self-worth. Oftentimes our complaints are... because we start to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Because we start to feel like we deserve or God should. Or why wouldn't He? Because after all, I'm a great people. I mean, you hear that tone in, in their complaint? Why did God just give us one portion? After all, we're a great people. They even made it Spears, when they said, God hath blessed us hitherto. I mean, it's not my fault God made me so good looking. God did it right it's whatever you whatever you want to say, whatever we can spiritualize whatever we want, right yes. but it ultimately, I mean I think about it sometimes, and we 're so richly blessed as people and as as a nation and as as individuals, I think sometimes we get so used to the blessings of God that we become discontent with them and we become satisfied and full, and we feel like we deserve more, mm-hmm. and if you take There's just so many thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in the world. You take them and put them in any one of our homes, they would feel like they were in the Taj Mahal. They would feel like they were just, they had died and went to heaven. You mean you have running water? You mean you don't have to go outside to go to the bath? You mean you have warm, warm water? Just, just, Just comes out of that thing right there, just warm water, just... You mean you, the lights work all the time? No, right. You have air conditioning? You, you have heat? Yep. You're not, you don't have to be freezing for the whole winter? There's so many things because God has so richly blessed us that we begin to take for granted. Right, yeah. He gives them some counsel and he says, God, with all that God's already given you, there's still more he wants to give you. There's a lot more victory to be had. You just got to go get it. Can I tell you, beloved, or remind you of the truth that salvation is by faith? For by grace you saved through faith. Amen? Amen. That's 100% God. There's nothing we can do. There is no expression or work of religion that I can do that can add anything to my salvation. But can I also remind you that that process of sanctification... That takes work. That takes effort. For by grace you say through faith and not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That process of sanctification, where we become made in the image of Christ, where we become holy, where we are like him where God kind of cuts off the rough edges and, you know, makes the low places high and the high places low, and he, he's just working on us, amen? amen. He's working on us. Right. But it takes work on our part, too. Yeah. Yeah. It takes work on our part, too. Yeah. We can't just expect God to just, just do it. We're going to wake up tomorrow morning and be super spiritual. We're going to wake up tomorrow morning revived. No, we've got to be willing to put some work in. It's going to cost something. Are you reaching your potential? Are you developing your lot in life? You know, a farmer gets a plot of land. Those of you that are, have gardens, just a garden, you know how much work that is. I think you're crazy. <laughs> it is so much work. You know, they sell those things at the grocery store. <laughs> I know they're not as fresh, and there is something rewarding about the fruit of your labor. And plus, it's just like me burning wood, like it's free, right? And you just love that. And I know when you're getting that stuff off of there, you're like, man, this is free. It's exciting. Uh, I, I understand that. But it is a lot of work. But you know, a farmer gets land. He's got that land. It takes work. Got to clear away the rocks. Might have to, over some years, cut away some timbers and open up those fields. Make that field usable. There might be some land in our, in our heart and lives, Christian, that we got to clear. That we can make it usable for God. It might cost some things, some effort. We see in verse number 16, And the children of Joseph said, The hill is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. They said that the space we are is too small. And over there is a bunch of big dudes with a lot of firepower. <laughs> so neither one of those solutions do we like very much. What he's saying, Joseph is telling him, listen, God will give you the victory. You've got that land. God said it's going to be yours. You've got to go get it. And they said, but there's chariots of iron there. Those men have have strength, they have power. And God says, yeah, it might cost you something. Are you willing to pay the price? You know, as we pray about revival and seeing God do something in our midst, it might cost you something. Are you willing to work towards that end? Do you desire to see it? Are you willing to invest what it might take to see revival in your own heart? If we're going to see revival in a church, I want you to understand, Christian, it's not something that happens as a whole. It's something that happens individually. We see it take place in our individual hearts, and then God will do something and we will experience something in our church. But it's not something we can't just wait and say, oh, I'm waiting for somebody else to, to to have revival and then maybe I'll get it. Why not you say, God, let it start with me. Yeah. Let it start with me. But it might cost you something. We're reading in our devotions a book on revival right now and it's it's not light reading. You know, it's a little bit, you've got to engage your brain. You've got to think about the context and what he's saying and you know, we read a whole passage the other day. I looked at Caleb and I said, Caleb, what do you have to say about that? He said, Um, nothing. <laughs> I said, I, I I understand. I know you really gotta be thinking, because it's not light, you know, but we we wanna I, I just wanna start planting those seeds in our heart. I started reading I started reading this book. This is a quick read (laughs) for somebody who's a speed reader, maybe. This is not light reading. This is Finney's Revival Lectures. I've actually read it before, probably 25 years ago. You read this book, brother? It says required reading in Bible college. I read it once, I don't need it again, right? I'm not a reader. Pastor Derek's a reader. Makes me mad. (laughs) This is a lot of work for me. But I'm saying, God, I need something. I need you to teach me about revival. I need you to open my mind and heart and... God's people need something. From me, their shepherd. And I don't have it, Lord. So maybe you can teach me some stuff through Finney. Maybe you could teach me some things that God's people need right now that we could see revival in our church. I'm asking him to make me willing to pay the price. Make me willing to pay the price, Lord. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? Yeah. It might cost something. We're going to have to take some land from Satan, and Satan is a strong enemy. Yeah. For we wrestle not against flesh and bud, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We know, beloved, that we have some prepared tools. We know that we have the... Armor of God to defend us, and the Spirit of God to direct us, and the sword to fight with. We know these things, but are you using them to clear some land for God? And so that brings us to the challenge. Would you look in chapter 18? You read the first couple of verses of chapter 18, you'll find that there were seven tribes that God had appointed a particular portion of land to. But you get down to verse number three, and you see the challenge. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go possess the land, which the Lord God your Father hath given you? It's not God that's holding back revival. The challenge tonight is how long are you going to be slack and going to possess the land, the promises, the blessings that God has for you as his children? How long are you going to sit back? How long are you going to let Satan have control of that area? How long are you going to just let laziness keep you from getting what God wants you to have? How long?